Give it up for the worship team this morning. Thank you, worship team. Great job. How about those watching online? Can you give it up for those watching and viewing online today? Thank you for tuning in. Uh, we appreciate that. Uh, we have a big online following. Love the, love the people that are online. Uh, love the people that are in-house. Love the people that are just, God's doing some really cool things at Grace Church. And, and, uh, and man, we're, we're glad to be a part of it. So new uh, sermon series for the next, I think, really seven or eight weeks is called Do It Again. I'm a product of the 70s. I went to high school in the 70s. I know I don't look like that. I look like I went to high school in the 60s. <laughs> um, Steely Dan was one of my favorite groups. Anybody know Steely Dan? The, the, oh, yeah, we got, oh, praise God. First service, they didn't raise their hand. I knew some of you all good classic rock people. One of their most popular songs is Do It Again. Go back, Jack, do it again. All the 70s music had long guitar solos right in the middle, instrumentals. It's like you, you can't have a good 70s song without the instrumental, and then they come back in and do it again. Well, uh, this is not the Steely Dan song. Janie was Googling uh, some songs earlier, and she said, do it again. I said, yeah, Steely Dan keeps coming up. I said, well, yeah, that's because it's their song, do it again. She was looking for the song we sang in the middle. Amazing song, by the way. And, uh, and so the do it again part is this. That's the word, what testimony means. Testimony means do it again. The word testimony literally means do it again. We're going to study the eight names of Jehovah. Jehovah means the Lord is. So Jehovah is, all right, and today will be provider, all right, Jireh. But we're going to do eight, all eight names because we're going to look in scriptures and when that name was first given, all right, through the Old Testament tribe of, of the nation of Israel to the tribes, there's a chron chronological um, sequence. And so when we look at the name, our thought is this, if God did it then, he can do it again. I've been a uh, relational follower of Jesus Christ for 45 years now, and I will tell you that most of the things that people go through, Janie and I have gone through in some way, shape, or form, and I know now that the Lord brought us through those things so that we can help others through those things, okay? So that we can, not so that we can say, hey, here's how you do it, but here's how God did it for us. If he did it for us, he can do it again for you, all right? And so the Holy Spirit will work and move and take people through many different things, many different ways, but I can say this with all assurance, he'll do it for you because he did it for us. He'll do it again. And by the way, that song, the, the whole plead the blood in scriptures would be subtitled, if you had one, Blessed Assurance. Our blessed assurance is that God will be there. He will show up for you. He, he does it for one. He does it for another another. He may do it differently. It may have a different even result, but he does it to our spirit. He does it again. And so eight different Jehovah names for the Lord. The Lord is. So when God shows up through his son Jesus in, in an area that we need most, he is that person. So today we're going to study Jehovah Jireh, all right? The Lord is provider, and he gives provision in our life. It may be physical, it may be financial, it may be mental, emotional, relational. It may be in an area that we need uh, his provision for, for him to provide. It may be instantaneous, it may be, some, be something that takes some time, it may be something that he's working us over and working us through. And so as we understand that in scripture, then we have this provider in our our life. He's the, he's the great provider. He's the great one. So 
we're going to pray, and then we'll go to Genesis in just a moment, because this is the first time and first place where the word provider as pertaining to Jehovah exists. In fact, this is the first Jehovah the Lord is. So the first thing that he is in scriptures as a Lord is a provider. He wants to provide for you, and as he provides for you, we give him glory, honor, praise, and thanksgiving back to him for his provision. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your ultimate word, your lovely word, your blessed word, your anointed word today. We pray, Lord, that you would help us, Father, Lord, with provision, Lord, with understanding, Lord, the, the, um, the nuance, Lord, of how you truly do want to provide for us. Thank you for that. We love and bless you. Open our hearts to hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you're a regular attender of grace, if you're a new member here, this is not about giving. This is simply about receiving. So I want you to open your mindset today in your heart to receive what God has for you, okay? Because that's what God does. He gives us things in our life. It's not always material. It's, 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 many times it's just spiritual. So let's go to Genesis uh, chapter 22. We're going to read 1 through 10, and it goes like this. After these things, God tested Abraham. Abraham, if you're new to the Scriptures, was Abram. And he was challenged by God to go to a land that he would tell them to go, he would go to as he was on his journey. Sometimes it's a walk of faith, all right? So we step out, not sure what God's got a plan for us, not sure. We kind of think we know, but God changes that thing over time. And so he said, I'm a... Uh, after these things, God tested Abraham, and life becomes a test then, all right? It's like in school, uh, maybe you have to take a test or a final exam to move on to the next course or the next season of your life. And he said to him, Abraham, and, and Abraham said, here I am. And he said, take your son, your only son, Isaac. Let's stop there for a second. His only son. Now, we had another son named Ishmael because that was born to Hagar because they thought they could create the promise. But sometimes we force God or we, we, we think God doesn't work fast enough. Are you with me on that one? Sometimes we want God to move quicker, right? But this was, Ab this was Abraham's only son, meaning this was the promised son. This was the one that he had prophesied over Abraham. You're going to have a son, Isaac, whom you love, go to the land of Moriah, offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac, and he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. By the way, you see that he gets up the very next morning. He doesn't mull it over for six months or two years or five years. The very next day he gets on with this. So when God gives you a word or God tells you to do something, he's not doing it as a suggestion. He says, do it. You go ahead and just do it. God will take care of everything else. And on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on, his Isaac's, on, on Isaac, his son, and took his hand and the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them, together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father, and he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. When they came to the place of which God had told them, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. 
Then Abraham reached out his hand, took the knife to slaughter his son. We'll pause there for a moment. Abraham and Isaac, quite a story. You've probably heard it before if you've been in church any length of time. But we see where Abraham, by faith, says the Lord will provide. God will provide. We'll talk about that scripture a little bit later on again in this, in this uh, message today. But I wonder, first of all, how Abraham would have felt having to sacrifice his son. And by the way, this is Old, Old Testament, all right? This is early formative years of uh, the Israel walk with, with God before Israel even was. Abraham starts this walk with Christ. God would never have you do anything like that today. God will never have you sacrifice a son or a daughter. God will never have you harm another individual in that manner. So this is Old Testament. It's happened. It really happened. God needed to know what Abraham was like. Would you follow me even though I'm asking you to do something that is, is totally unheard of or unbelievable? And Abraham Abraham knew what God was like, knew God, heard God, loved God, heard the voice of God, and was obedient to God. So again, this is not something that God would ever ask you. God may ask you to sell something. God may ask you to move locations. God may ask you to, to give up something. God's not going to ask you to sacrifice another human. Are you with me? So just want to be clear on that. Uh, the literal interpretation of this is true. But at the same time, it's a, also a metaphor of how God did his son. Remember, Jesus had the cross on his back. So as where Isaac had to carry the wood up the hill, Jesus carried the cross up the hill. So we, we see the likeness here. But once Jesus died for us, then we don't have to die again. We just have to die for our, out of ourselves. Jesus doesn't have to be crucified anymore. He's already been crucified once. He's the redeemer. He's the, he's the uh, soon coming king. Can you give Jesus a hand of appreciation today? We love Jesus. So in my years of walking with Christ in a relational way, in my years of marriage, in my years of raising a family, I've come across three different things in this, out of this scripture that maybe will help you today. And so we're not uh, trying to write cute little points and then go home and have a good lunch. I want to give you some depth today. I want to give you some things that will say, hey, when I'm in this crisis situation, uh, maybe this will help me as it did Pastor and Janie. And the first one is this, faith activates possibilities. Faith will always activate possibilities in our life. If with, without faith, the scripture says, uh, it's impossible to please God. The faith is, this now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so we need faith in our life. Faith is a growing uh, tool. Faith is if you're uh, growing a business. Faith is if you're growing uh, physically. Faith is if you're growing financially. Maybe you're investing money. There's faith there. So faith activates possibilities. Abram, and then turning into Abraham, has this faith in his life, all right? And God is testing him. And by the way, God will test you. God will never tempt you, but God will test you. And God will let testings flow. God will give you a, a pay raise and see if you'll tithe on it. Pastor, I'll start tithing when I make a thousand a week. If you can't tithe on a hundred a week, you ain't tithing on a thousand. Ooh, that got quiet real quick. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean to lift you up. <laughs> you said you were going to talk about giving. I'm not. I'm talking about being faithful. <laughs> right? Take it for someone who's tied for the last 45 years. God, you can't outgive God. 
It's impossible to outgive God. Oh, here it is, another giving message. Not at all. Faith activates possibilities. When I operate in my faith in a tangible way, God then comes back in a tangible way. When I operate my faith in a spiritual way, God then comes back in a spiritual way. Are you with me? So let me look at, look at it this way. When Abraham, Ab, we'll call him Abraham, it was Abraham at the time, in Genesis, the 12th chapter, when Abraham is called by God to go to a land that he does not know of, to step out and go, then he goes. And God says, I'm going to reward you, Abraham, with a son. You're going to have a son. And so they're on this journey, and then Abraham looks over at Sarah. Abraham is at least 75 at the time, possibly older, and Sarah is at least 65 at the time, possibly older. And Sarah, Abraham looks over at Sarah and says, man, alive, you're good looking. He says, now that I see that you are fair to look upon in the King James Version, that word now, Dr. Cho says, there was something that happened spiritually in Abraham's life where he started to look differently upon his wife. In, in, in Sarah's case, the Bible says that she was barren. She was, she was past childbearing years, that something happened spiritually that she started to turn back into her youthful self again. And because she did, Abraham's like, now I see. He wasn't talking about Sarah. He was talking about the plan of God. Now I see that my capacity to understand is different than God's capacity to perform. See, we look at what we see and what we know. There's not enough money at the end of the week in the checkbook. How can I pay my bills? Well, God says, I shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So why are we looking at our capacity to believe when we should be looking at God's capacity to perform? When God's capacity to perform is by speaking, all of a sudden things exist. He spoke this world into existence. He created you. He brought Adam out of the earth, out of dust, and all of a sudden he starts to talk those things. He calls those things that aren't as though they are. So why would we say it can't get any better than this? Or all I can do is pray. Or unless God moves, God has already moved in your life. You just have to receive it. When we receive it, it'll be it. You see, it's, it, this is, like, again, foundational. Faith activates possibility. By Abraham's faith, it became possible for, for Sarah to, to conceive. And by conceiving, then it became possible for her to become pregnant. And then she bore a child. That child, Isaac, was the promise. So faith activates the... But let's, let's look at Hebrews for just a second. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, But without faith, it is impossible to please God. So you're saying, Pastor, if I don't have any faith, I can't please God. I'm not saying it at all. The Scripture is saying that. The scripture bears witness. But without faith, Hebrews 11 6, but without faith it is impossible to please God. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a what? A rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So there's a couple. First, you have to come to God. And then you have to believe in God. And then you have to be diligent about your coming and believing God. And then he's going to reward you. And so sometimes people will say, well, I tried God or I tried tithing, or I tried praying, or I tried church, and it's just, it's not my fit. Well, I'm going to tell you that it's the consistency of diligency that God rewards. 
Janie and I back years ago, before, actually right when we moved down here, we had a, a cabin, an A-frame cabin in uh, central Missouri on Lake of the Ozarks. And we'd go down there once a month and hang out for about three days, kind of rest, recruit, and then go back to the church world. And a uh, cute little cabin, just, <laughs> just a cute little cabin. And so we had a neighbor who, his name was Doug. And I've told this story before if you've been in our church for a while, but there's so many new people that I want to tell it again. And Doug, uh, we had a privacy fence behind our, our door about six or eight feet, and then there was a privacy fence about six feet tall. And uh, when we were moving in, uh, Doug looked over the privacy fence, but you can only see his eyes, Okay. And he said, hey, neighbor, and kind of a gruffy old voice. And I said, uh, yeah, hey, how's it going, buddy? He said, uh, are you the new neighbor? I said, yeah, I'm the new neighbor. And uh, is that your van out there? Well, I had a church van. We brought a sofa down in. And, uh, uh, you know, it said the church name on it. It was, yes, the, parked in our driveway, yes, our church van. He said, uh, you, uh, you a member of the church? I said, yeah, I am. Yeah, he's, you the preacher? I said, yeah, I am. Again, just eyes only, you the preacher. I said, I am. I said, are you a believer? He said, nope. I tried God once. <laughs> Didn't work. I said, <laughs> so, well, maybe you should try him again. And I was in that conversation. I went inside the house. Jane and I were talking. I said, hey, don't, don't go over to the neighbor's house. <laughs> He's a little different. <laughs> His name is Doug, and nobody in the area liked Doug. He was a recluse. He was a hermit. He had a dog, him and dog and Dog and Doug, and that was it. And uh, I somewhat, somehow, I'm sure it was the Holy Spirit, the Lord laid on Janie's heart to, you know, let's, let's befriend Doug. Let's be Doug's friends. If nobody else will be Doug's friends, let's be Doug's friends. And she didn't clue me in on that right away. We went to the store, you know, going to break the cabin in, got a couple of nice fillets and some potatoes, and we got some corn, and we're going to cook out. And she buys three steaks. We're like, well, yeah, leftovers. I like I'm not going to turn down an extra steak, you know, especially filet. So we cook him up, and I'm going to dig into the second steak. And she said, "Who don't. So what, what do you mean? She said, that's for Doug. Doug? Doug? Yeah, you're going to take it over to Doug's. I ain't taking it over to Doug's. Yes, you are. You're going to take that plate over to Doug's. You're going to be kind to Doug. Honey, Doug scares me. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. He, he kind of freaks me out a little bit. If I, if I ain't taking that, Mark, take the plate over to Doug and tell him, you know, hi or something. All right, but if I ain't back in five minutes, you better come get me or call 911 because this guy's weird. And so I went over to the door, knocked on the door. True story. I mean, absolutely true how it happened. And, and, and the door opened like this much, and there was a, uh, just a grunt, not a hello. Uh, I said, hey, uh. My wife made some food. You want it? And he reached his hand out and grabbed it and slammed the door. That was it. So I walked back. She said, how'd it go? I said, I don't know. I, he grabbed the food. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> and so we go down another month, and Janie makes a ham. I take a ham plate over for him and said, hey, knock on the door. The dog's barking, kind of nipping at my, at my heels. And, and uh, I back up a little bit. He sticks his hand out a little further. I said, hey, Doug, I got a plate of food, snatches it, throws it back in. That happened month after month after month. And so finally, we're, after, after a little while, he would actually open the door a little further and say, hey, Doug, 
My wife's made some food for you. It's roast. He said, oh, I like your wife's roast. And she grabs a plate and pulls it in. <laughs> so, you know, this, we've had this cabin for four years. About two years into it or so, I, um, I start my Jeep. It's a cold winter morning. I start my Jeep. It's a Saturday. Got to get back Saturday night. Got to have church on Sunday. And I shut the door. It's running, heating up. And I locked my keys in the car. Like, oh, man. I, I go, you know, if you know me, like all my tools are kept in a coffee can. That's how, I, some of you guys have those big tool things, you know. I got a coffee can with, with tools in them. And my coffee can was back in Iowa. It wasn't even in the Missouri cabin. And so I go over, knock on the door, and Doug opens the door. And uh, he noticed I, I don't have a plate of food this time. And so I say, hey, don't shut the door. I said, hey, do you have, I, I locked my keys in my car. Do you have you know, a screwdriver or something that I can use to maybe try to get it open? Oh, I can get it open. I'm a locksmith. I can get into anything. I'm like, dear God, <laughs> this guy knows when I'm gone. <laughs> he can get into anything. He can, he can get in my house whenever he wants to. He can get in my car. He came up and 30 seconds later, he had the, he had the, he had the Jeep open. It was like, oh, thanks, Doug. Uh, can I pay you? Nope. I give you anything? Just keep the grub coming. And I said, honey, you are, you're such a good cook. Your food is grub now. And so we did. We kept the grub coming. And uh, if we had Thanksgiving dinner down there, Janie made a plate for Doug, I'd take it over. And knock on the door, door would come open a little bit, and hand would come out, and I'd say, hey, it's Thanksgiving, Doug. We're pre- we appreciate you. Ah, grab the plate, pull it in. We put the cabin up for sale when we moved down here. And uh, uh, we were down here for several months before it closed. And we were packing some stuff up. And Doug said, hey, you guys, you guys moving? And uh, in his kind of short, direct sort of way, we said, yeah, we're, we're moving to North Carolina. We're taking a church down there. He said, oh, huh. And Janie said, hey, before we leave, Doug, uh, I know you told my husband that you tried God when we first moved down here, I was wondering if you would be willing to try him again. And, and Doug said, I did try God. And about a year ago, because of your generosity, I accepted God through his son, Jesus Christ. He said, I'm a believer just like you are now. I cried. I mean, I, I, cry, I cry when I think about that story because it was it was, a, it was a God that he tried probably, I'm guessing, maybe in religious tradition or legalism that wouldn't accept him because the people in our community didn't accept Doug. They said, stay away from Doug. And something happened in my wife's heart that made her want to reach him through me, taking plates of food over to him. But he accepted Christ. And about a year later, we got word from some people in the community that Doug died of cancer. But I'm going to tell you the table that nobody would let him sit at is a table that now he is able to sit at on the other side of the, of the, the other side of the kingdom. Now he can sit at the Lamb's throne room and he can eat. He can eat with the Lamb of God today. Why is that? Because he tried God, but then now he knew God, and he knew God. And when we say in scriptures, "He that cometh to God," 
I think God's challenging all of us, the people that we're going to come across our path that maybe we just miss really easily, like when they're no good or they're from the other side of town or the wrong side of tracks or maybe they brought some things on themselves and, and we judge harshly, but God wants us to know that, uh, that we can be Jesus to them just like Janie was to Doug. Can you hear me? He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. And Doug's reward probably wasn't felt on this side of, the, on this side of heaven, but man, I'm telling you, He's probably jumping in glory right now. Three things that faith will do, they're not up there, but I'm going to give them to you really quickly. Faith elevates us. Faith is an elevator. Whenever we walk in faith, the capacity of knowing that God is working on our behalf, it brings us to another level. Our faith, our faith just increases with a little bit of hope, just a little bit of glimmer. You know, it, 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 if it's a sporting event, it's that one person making that three-point shot, and all of a sudden it goes into overtime, or it's a, your team captivating a, a fumble or an interception or making that goal line stuff. It's that little bit of faith that says, hey, there is hope. When we have faith, God elevates us to a whole other level. It becomes an increase of that. The second thing is it energizes us. When people walk in faith, there's a certain amount of energy. Maybe it's expressed, maybe it's not, but faith will energize us because there's possibilities that we understand that God is working on our behalf. The creator of the whole universe is working for you and for me. Now that's positive. That's, that's absolutely powerful when we realize that not only my faith elevates me, but now it energizes me because this, this God, this, this, this unbelievable entity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, who speaks and things happen, they're working on my behalf. And then last but not least is it, it brings us expectation. It brings us this area of expectation that says, I know that God's got this, he's in control, and because he's in control, I'm gonna step back, I'm gonna let God do what God does best. When Doug opened my uh, Jeep, he you know, took out one of those tools, boom, he was in, no problem. He said, well, yeah, I'm a, I've been at locksmith forever, I can get into anything. Their expectation there was, he knows what he's doing. Uh, my expectation is, even if I don't know how it's going to work out, I know that God does. And Abraham understood that when, I, when he calls on Sarah, now I see that you're beautiful. Now I understand the capacity I'm looking at isn't my physical capacity, it's God's capacity that I know that God can move mountains if he needs to. I know God can make me climb the mountain if I need to. But God knows that faith activates possibilities in our life. The second thing I learned is that there's provision in the promise. That I don't understand how the provision's going to come, but I understand the promise is going to be there. He made an offering, Abraham did, of his promise. Isaac was the promised son. Isaac was this promise that God had given him, but I understand that I have to maybe kill that promise in the time. See, once the seed dies, then it produces fruit. So part of the problem in my life was I would make my God the promise rather than God is God, and then he gives us promises. When we understand that God is the giver of promises, that all of his promises are what? Yes and amen. Yes is Yes means I agree. Amen means be it unto me according to your word. And so, God, if all your promises are yes and amen, yes, I agree, be it unto me according to your word, then I have given God the opportunity or the okay to go ahead and walk me through those things. I'm not fighting back. I'm not kicking back. I know that provision is in the promise. It's in Scripture, especially the Old Testament, everything is if and then. 
So it's always if with us. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then they will hear from heaven. Then I will heal their land. Deuteronomy 28 says, if you hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord your God and do all that his word commands, then I'll make you the head and not the tail, the first and not the last, the lender, not the bower. I will make your barns and businesses full. I will bless your children into eternity. See, we, we have to do the if part. God always does the then part. And so the provision is in the promise if we obey. Abraham obeyed. He did it. He left right away. And then on the third day, he saw what, what he was going to sacrifice or thought he might have to sacrifice Isaac. By the way, his sacrifice was out of faith because he tells the two men that are with him, we'll be back. Even if he kills Isaac, he knows he's going to restore that promise because his God's the God of his word. If God makes you give something up, he only has something better for you. I'll say it one more time. If God makes you give something up, he only has something better for you. Why is that? Because he's a God of promise and he's a good father. He understands and loves his children. Let's go to Romans, the fourth chapter for a second. We're going to read 13, 16, 17, and 20 out of order but not out of context. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law but through the righteousness of faith. That is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Leave 20 up there, but let me, read, let me read Romans 4 and 17 out of the King James. Even God, who quickens the dead, calls those things that aren't as though they are. So listen, if God calls those things, we should call those things too. If something's dead, you have the power to bring it back to life by the power of the Holy Spirit. God teaches us by calling those things out. He calls victory over your life. He calls salvation over your life. He calls blessings over your life. He calls uh, love over your life. He calls mercy and grace over your life. Can you give the Lord a shout of praise just for a moment as he speaks over your life? No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. Listen, right now, you need to cast doubt aside. You need to cast fear aside. You need to cast anxiety aside. We live in a world because information is eight seconds away. Something happens, you know about it in eight seconds, okay? Eight seconds away, something's happening. And we look at our phones, we look at the news media, we look at social media, and we're thinking, man, alive, this, this, how are we going to do this? How's this going to happen? I paid $5.99 for a loaf of bread the other day. I bought half a loaf. Just joking. I asked if I could. If you look at the media, it's, it's geared to tell you how bad things are. But what we need to do is cast unbelief, cast off the restraints of fear, cast off the restraints of anxiety, cast off the restraints of, of doubt, and understand that it, it didn't, that did not make him waver. It shouldn't make us waver. And he says the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. 
See, when we, here's the key, when we give God glory, all of a sudden those things that bother us start to disappear. That's the glory to glory part. That's the faith to faith. That's the strength to strength. When we recognize God is for me, then there ain't a devil in hell that can be against me that God hasn't already conquered. That's the power that we have. Provision comes in the promise. God's promise is to provide for us. That's Jehovah Jireh. The Lord is our provider. Then last but not least is you got to take the hill. There's a mountain for everybody. Now, that's not necessarily a good thing. We were here a couple years, and Janie and I would go out on different day hikes. Uh, we'd go experience different mountains and different trails. My friend London Barefoot called me one Friday afternoon. He said, brother, where you at? I said, I'm hiking. He said, how come? Did your car break down? You need me to come get you? I said, no, no. We, we want, we're hiking. Yeah, but how come? So well, we, we want to hike. I mean, your car didn't break down? No, my car didn't break down. I'm hiking. This car's parked. We're, we're trying to get in shape. Why? And sometimes I want to ask God, why you put this mountain in front of me? Our little grandson Judah will ask those, why you do that? Why, why you move so much? Why, why, why Grammy make that? He's, got the, he's in the why world right now. And sometimes we're asking God, God, why you make me kind this mountain? It's for your making, not your breaking. It's so that God will make you stronger. Every time you climb that mountain, you gain new experience. Every person in the Old Testament scripture that is mentioned in the Faith Hall of Fame had a mountain. Abraham had a mountain. Moses had a mountain. Caleb had a mountain. David had a mountain. What is your mountain? You're going to have a mountain. you got to climb. I hate to break it to you. I understand this. When I, got, when I was young and became a, a strong follower of Christ, there's a mountain there. Now, you can speak to that mountain, and it might be moved, or there might be a mountain that you just got to climb. But every mountain that you climb in your life, the experience is not only for you, the experience is for somebody behind you as well. When people climb Mount Everest or they climb these big Kilimanjaro, they always put markers on there where people have been and where people can go. The experience that Janie and I have over 45 years of relationship and 43 years of marriage and 45 years of being a Christ follower, I can say, listen, I know where you're at. I've been there. Not only that, I know that God will deliver you out. I don't know how. You might climb the mountain differently than me, but I know that that mountain's gonna be climbed and God will give you the strength to climb that mountain. You gotta take the hill. As the worship team comes back, I want you to think about that for just a moment. If you'll take the hill, there'll be good things in your life. It's when we avoid the mountain. It's when we avoid the trial. It's when we complain to God. It's when we talk about God and say, you know, he doesn't hear me. He doesn't get me. He gets you, church. He loves you. You are his child. You are, in fact, the Bible says Old and New Testament, you're a special treasure. You're a chosen generation. God loves you so much. He cares for you so very much. When I was a young follower and a young believer, and uh, businesses would fail, I would be out of a job, trying to go to school, trying to raise a family. We had three kids, and I was in my mid-20s, and company closed down for the third or fourth time. I'm out of a job. And, and I, I really thought I was a failure. I thought, God, it, why does it always happen to me? I mean, I go to church. 
I take my tithe. I go to early morning prayer. I mean, I'm doing everything that I think I'm supposed to be doing. And, and, and God just, man, he just, he just had, he had people that he worked through. One of them was Janie's uncle, Les. He went on to be with Jesus. Uncle Les was a good guy. I mean, he was fun. He was the guy that you went to his house for parties. He would call them blowouts. He, he was a roofer and, and, and very successful. And he'd buy all the shrimp. He'd buy fillets. He'd buy steak. He'd buy chicken. They'd just have a big blowout. They'd invite all the family over. We'd go over. And I thought, man, that lesson's got it going on, man. And one day, Les called up my father-in-law, Jess. He said, hey, I'm going to give a car to Mark and Janie. Our car didn't have any reverse. And we were just hurting. And, and so we went to go pick the car up. Les did three things that day that I'll never forget. He said, you guys got something. You, 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 you don't see it, but you guys got something. I, don't, I can't even tell you what it is, but, but you got something. That's the first time a non-immediate family member ever spoke into my life. That's the first time they ever said, you got something. No, I didn't have a job, didn't have a car, and had three kids. I had a lot of problems. I had a lot of issues. I had a lot of doubt. I had a lot of fear. I had unbelief. But he spoke into my life. And then he prayed for us. And then he gave us a car. And it wasn't about the car at all. It was about those simple words that he spoke into my life. I was forever a changed person. I was already a believer. I love God. And so I want to speak to you today. Maybe you are in a situation where you're in a financial crisis, you're in a spiritual crisis, you need God to provide for you supernaturally. I want you to stand right now. Maybe it's health, something physical, something mental, emotional, relational, something financial. You, you need God to speak to you. You stand. And it's okay if you're not standing because I need your help in a minute too. But if you, you need God to do something in your life and you're standing, I want you to come, I want you to come forward if you, if you can. Just crowd the front because we're, we're making a declaration before God. God, I see you. I want you to see me. And I, I, I can't explain the feeling of what it was like for someone who was successful to speak into my life like he did. It's forever etched in my memory. Keep coming. You just got to crowd the front as much as you can. We need everybody across the front. So just keep coming and crowd literally everybody in this place. Keep coming. 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 Here's what I want to do. So I want to pray. And I want you to hear the words of the song, Jaira. Can you put the first put the first verse up there for a second for me, Jason? Look at what he says. I'll never be more than love. Than it. That's not the first verse, is it? Is that the first verse? Yeah, that's it. Wasn't holding you up. Go ahead to the next one. So there's nothing I can do to let you down. <laughs> I thought I was letting God down by getting laid off. I thought I was letting God down by not being what, and yet God was trying to prove himself through me, to me, in me. And so I, I, I'm thinking, God, 
I'm a failure. What kind of Christian I am because I'm not successful. And God, God was saying, you are successful. Here, I'm going to have this guy pour into you and speak into you. So what I want to do is we're going to sing the song. And in just a moment, if God kind of gives you a word for somebody or just allows you to go pray for somebody, I want you to just reach over and, pray and speak into somebody's life. And maybe that person next to you, maybe they just need a hug. Maybe it's not a car. Maybe you can just give them a hug. Maybe you can, maybe you can pray for somebody, speak into somebody, and give somebody a hug this morning right here. Well, that's kind of weird, Pastor. No, it's not. Listen, it's the very thing I needed that catapulted me to what God had for me. And so if you'll just re receive right now, but then start praying with or for somebody right next to you and start to speak in their life, God will give you that word. God, God will make it so prophetic and so obedient that God started. And as they're singing the song, I want you to just receive the song. Start singing it and start receiving it. Jehovah Jireh, the provider, he will provide anything that you have need of. Physical, spiritual, financial, mental, emotional, relational, anything you have need of. We've said it before, we'll say it again. You are not a failure. You, you are, there, you, there are no failures in this room. God is in charge and he loves you. But sometimes, like me, you just need a word. God just, God just needs to speak something into you. I'm going to try to come behind some of you and pray with you, pray for you. I'm going to ask some of you that as you sing and you, the Lord fills you up, then you start praying for other people. Let's minister together if we can. Because when we minister together, all of heaven breaks loose and the Holy Spirit comes down. Father, thank you that you are Jehovah Jireh. You are our provider. Lord, you bring provision to us in every context of the word, whether it's tangible or intangible, whether it's spiritual or physical or financial or mental or emotional, however it looks, however it is, you, you bring that provision. And so we're asking, Lord, that since you did it for Abraham, you did it for David, you did it for Moses, you did it for Paul, or that you would do it again. You would do it for us right here. We're coming to you with humble hearts, Father, Lord. And we truly, we... We're not holding you up. You hold this whole earth up, Lord. So therefore, we can't let you down. There's nothing in our past that could let you down. There's nothing in our future that will ever hold you up. But we're looking at the here and now. Now faith. Now to today's faith. This right here, God. Right now. Lord, in expectancy, Father, Lord, of you moving. We ask, Lord, would you move? Would you move provisionally for each and every person right here, right now? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ask the Lord. Speak it out receive it, and then start praying for someone next to you.
is just a powerful, powerful message. Was that, was that good? Yeah. Wow. So good. So, so good. In the first service, um, it was so cool. I was sitting there and I sat down just from worship. I sat down and the Holy Spirit said, I, I want you to prophesy this morning. And I said, oh, oh my, okay, I'm ready. I'm listening. So when I hear that from the Holy Spirit, he says, you're going to prophesy. Okay, and I'm listening. Who am I going to prophesy to? I want to hear. I don't want to mess anything up. I don't want to say anything that is not from God. I never, ever want to do that. So I said, yes, Lord, I'm listening. And he began to share with me what I was going to share. And it was the absolute coolest thing what happened. Um, he, he said that you can prophesy this morning to someone who has said, God, where are you? What's going on? And and um, and then he went on, Pastor, I, and that everything he would say, I would hear it, and then he would say it out his mouth. He would say, you know what? You're talking to God. You've promised me this. You've given me a word. And that's why I said, the Holy Spirit said that someone in the, in the house, and this was first service, and I believe it's for both, had said, God, but you promised me. You gave me that word. And so... I heard that, the word, and then he talked about, God may have given you a word, and I just heard it. And then he said, and then there's people that I have given a dream, and then that, I'm, I'm calling that dream, and he said, and God may have given you a dream. And I'm just like, okay, do you want me to tell you what you're going to say next? You know, I was just like, this is so cool how God works. And it began, it began to the whole message, and the Holy Spirit said, it's a prophetic message that he, your pastor, your, your pastor, my pastor is sharing this morning. So it was a word for all of us who are going through something that we've been in a place to say, God, you gave me that word. And then you know that whatever that word is, you hang on to that word. And then I'd had a dream about somebody, a friend that we had been talking with, and they had the same dream, and we talked about that. So it was like, here's that dream, and that dream came to my mind and the person's mind, and so, and it was like, if you've had a dream. And then I, I, I just thought, okay, that's it, that you are getting ready to bring that dream to pass. Now I get to just prophesy that that dream is on the way. And I thought that, and the Holy Spirit almost gave me like a spiritual spanking, like, hey, you're not listening. I'm like, okay, yes, I'm back to listening. I'm trying to listen to him. And it was like, it's now. I want you to tell them it's not coming or to get ready for it. A lot of people say, get ready, get ready. It's coming. It's on the way. He said in the spirit this morning to tell the church that it is now. You are walking in it today, today. So you're walking in it now. It's what we choose to do with it. And that is, was so clear. It's like people praying for businesses and ideas and jobs and finances and families and relationships and healings. It's now. It's not get ready. It's coming. If we do the rest of the story that Pastor preached on where Abraham takes Isaac, he was just being obedient. He's getting his knife ready. Oh, there's a lamb over there, right there. God made a way. Right then, it wasn't later. It wasn't coming. He was ready to go. Oh, there's the lamb. That's the same picture that the Holy Spirit showed me. It's not coming. It's right there. You're walking in it. So if we could learn this morning what he said about taking it by faith and say, okay, I'm ready. I'm going to take that next step. So if God's asking you or telling you or giving you an idea to step out and do something, don't think it's coming. Just step out. I'm here. I'm doing it, whatever it is. Because, like when he said, we've went through everything. Pastor and I have been through, if you name it, just say yes, we've done it. We've been there. It has, it's been in our life. 
but God has brought us through all of that. Him losing his job, thinking, you know, I'm just not good enough. Why does, why does the companies that I work for, they just keep closing down. They shut their doors, they went under. And it was like, God, what are you doing? He was doing, he was preparing it for such a time as this for even today, for you to be here, for you to hear the word that he had for you, that it's time, you're walking in your miracle, you're walking in your blessing. Because if he, if the doors didn't close, would he probably have stayed in that position in that job forever? Yes. So sometimes God has to shut a door for you to be where you're supposed to be and you're supposed to walk into something. You never would take that step of faith because this was too comfortable. So sometimes we gotta look at our situation and say, God, if you're shutting a door, there's a reason and I'm supposed to just say, yes, Lord, you got something better and I'm ready to walk in it now. Amen. So that's, that's the word I heard. So normally right there, I would say, get ready, get ready, get ready. But I'm going to say it's now, it's now, it's now. So that's exciting. And I love that. And we saw this morning that the word, the word he said now, remember he kept saying now, now, now. Well, if you turn the N-O-W around, you get W-O-N and it, it's one, that means it's finished, it's done, it's now. So I think God works that way. So may I encourage you this morning, whatever you're going through, Take that step of faith this morning and just know that it's now, that he is in your moment. And you may not understand it. You may not understand what you're going through today, but he has a purpose and a plan that he is taking you through and into. And it is for your blessing. Something is happening in the heavens. It's shaking. So we're ready for it. Amen. We're in it. We're ready to go. Father, we love you and we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word this morning. The, the pastor brought such a prophetic word to all of us that we are ready and we're walking in this now moment. It's done. It's finished. We are walking in victory. We thank you for this day. I pray you go with each and every person. You open doors that need to be opened, but Lord, you also shut doors that need to be shut, that we won't go places that you don't have a plan for us to be there. But Lord, we would walk in obedience and the sacrifices, whatever it is, that we need to make, we would just say, yes, Lord, Jehovah Jireh, he will provide it. We give you all the praise and all the glory for all things you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen. We love y'all so much. Be blessed. We'll see you soon.